Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's recorded ministries. As members of the body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Now here's Pastor Alex. One of the most wonderful things I love about Jesus is, um, is the, the fact that we can bounce back when we've been drifting away from Him. When I'm drifting away from him, at times I get a little scared that either I won't have the wherewithal to bounce back or when I try, he'll go, "Mm, sorry, too late. Do you know I've never had that happen? He has never said too late. He has never said, "Ah, too far, you've gone too far. I love that we can come back when we've drifted. He's so patient, unbelievably patient, unbelievably kind and merciful. He is the God of second chances and 99 chances and 199. If you don't have a life that's rooted deeply into him, though, bouncing back is a lot harder. Because uh, if your roots haven't gone down deep, you kind of forget who and what you were rooted into in the first place. And you just kind of go back to the old ways of living. And... Lost people who've lost their way generally just get loster. But found people who've taken the time and the energy to, to send their roots down deep into Christ lose their way, but always have a chance to come back. The difference is the root system. Um, there are a few kinds of plants in the world. We actually have one at home. I, I wanted to bring it, but it's down in our basement somewhere. It's called a resurrection plant. This thing just it completely dries up and curls up into a brown, looks like a tumbleweed. I mean, it's just brown and dead as a doornail looking. But just stick it in water, and in three days, it's this incredibly green bush. It's just, it's just a miraculous thing. And it's because those plants have their roots down deep into all the nourishment that it's required for them to come back. I actually found a different kind of plant online. I want to show you a video of what happens to this. This is a different kind of resurrection plant. But take a look at what happens to this plant starting off dead as a doornail. No sound, just a video. Five days. And that's it, just like new. Isn't that awesome? All it takes is a little water. Just a little water, that's all it took. And there's all kinds of biological reasons why these plants are able to literally um, go to the point of almost complete death. They, they lose 95% of their moisture, they maintain 5% of it, and, and the cells are structured in such a way most plants don't have the cell structure that can actually close in and bend and fold and tuck like that and then reflex back. Most plants, when they get too dried out, the cells are brittle, they just crack open and die. And these plants don't do that. Christians can do that. All we need is the water of his Holy Spirit, fellowship, and his word, and you can bounce back from anything. All right, let's go ahead and put the title slide up there. Anyways, this thing is just all... And it, goes, and it just explodes into this verdant green kind of plant, and then flowers start popping out, pink and brilliant colors. It's, just, it's miraculous. It's just kind of a visual aid of what it's like to be deeply rooted in Christ and for us to remember no matter how dry we get, there's always a chance to come back. But the key is our root system. And so I want to talk to you this morning about rooted, being rooted in Christ. And um, 
there's a Bible study that uh, about 14 of us have been going through. Some of you may have heard about it. Um, I, I asked a, a pilot group of, of our leaders to uh, experiment with this new kind of, we call them a life group, uh, this new kind of Bible study. And uh, we're on week eight right now. It's a 10-week program. We're on week eight, and it has been so rich and life-changing. It's unbelievable. And uh, so we are now kind of experiencing how tight we can get with one another, how strong we can get with Jesus, how much more insight we're getting around the Word because of this, this simple curriculum, very doable, very easy, easily applied. It's just an excellent, excellent tool for us to get rooted in. And we are going to be going with our second round in January, and I want to invite as many of you as possible to be a part of that Bible study. It's a 10-week commitment, and uh, I'll be talking to you some more about it. But one of the things that they, they start off with is they, they say that, you know, um, as a Christian, you go through phases of commitment. Uh, you go through phases of commitment, and the first one, they say, is when you're complacent. That's actually the time when you're outside of Christ. And then they say, when you get saved, you become, from complacent, you go to consumer. You discover God is alive, and you just can't get enough of him. You just want to eat and devour the Word and the Holy Spirit and fellowship and everything you can get your hands on. And then, and then they say you move from consumer, if you're maturing, to a connected Christian, where you recognize it's not just all about you getting all you can. There's a body of believers around you that we're to be connected with, and so relationships need to go deep. And then from there, once you become connected, then you become committed. You recognize this is not just a thing I do. This is my life. And being a believer and part of the family of God, part of the church, part of the army of God is a lifestyle I'm committed to until I see him again face to face. And then from that level of commitment, they say people who keep pressing in just become compelled by the love of God in everything they do. There's this internal drive to just serve him and please him. And, and it's, it's not a struggle or a strain because you, you put to death all the demons in your life or most of them. And so there's this Holy Spirit drive to just do and be everything Jesus wants us to be. So this morning, I want to talk about that first transition, moving from complacent to consumer. And, uh, We'll talk about it in three phases, and I'm going to read you a few verses. In fact, I think I got it up here. But if you have a Bible, too, and you like reading your Bible like I do, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. This is a description of life as we know it when you're outside of Christ, okay? When you're outside of Christ. And Paul is kind of going backwards, speaking to some believers about their former life. So he says in Ephesians 4, 17, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. This is the condition of a spiritually lost or unregenerate human being, uh, a spiritually complacent life. You have to understand complacency doesn't mean you are going to be the most ugly and evil and immoral, nasty person on the planet. It just basically means you don't care about God or there's an indifference toward the things of God. You just... 
you're not aware of him. He's, he's not alive to you, so you assume he doesn't really exist. And complacent people can actually know about God or a God or a force, but there's no relationship because God hasn't made his internal home inside of them. And so there's just kind of a complacency, like whatever, man, you just do whatever you want. I mean, it's like, what's the big deal? There's no accountability. There's no eternity. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no judgment. You just kind of don't care. And on that spectrum of complacency, there can be some really moral people who are complacent and some really, really evil people who are complacent. But basically, they're all the same. They're outside the kingdom of God. And so what happens when a little question mark begins to develop in the complacent person's mind is they begin to realize, I could have this all wrong. I'm not sure what's right, but I'm kind of experiencing a whole lot of just kind of damage happening to me and through me, and it's not pretty. I, I'm not sure I got this right. And, and so for the complacent person outside of Christ, the Holy Spirit is able to at least sow seeds of doubt about things as they are, about life as we know it. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing when someone outside of Christ begins questioning the path he's on. That's a great growth step, wouldn't you say? I remember when I was not a Christian, a bunch of my high school friends got saved, and we were all at a party um, once we got into college, and uh, I was not a Christian. I was mean-spirited. I was sarcastic and just an ugly person, and my high school friends were there too, and they said, Alex, you just need Jesus. You just, you just got to know Jesus is the answer. And I tell you, man, I just ripped them up one side and down the other. I said, I've got this thing figured out. That is the stupidest thing. It's for weak people. I don't know what you guys are talking about. What is wrong with you? I got life figured out. It was ugly. You see, I, I was born complacent, ignorant of the presence and the things of God. Not understanding the Word of God is, is alive and living, and it's His Word. And so I just reacted like all complacent people do. You can be mean about it. You can be very gracious about it. But still, you just don't care. But can I tell you something? After that conversation, after that party, I went home and go, do I really believe that, that I got it all figured out? The questions began to, to pop into my head. The Holy Spirit was working, and people were praying for me. But up till then, God was the last thing on my mind. And so... If we're growing as Christians, number one, there might be some people in this camp right now, today. There could be some of you who have not really made that step to cross the line to ask Jesus into your heart. Or there might be some people who have been Christians for years and years and years and years and years, but your lifestyle is kind of like that. It's just sort of like, eh, whatever. He's not, not all that concerned about me. But if you're interested in moving forward, then you move to phase two. You begin considering a divine experiment. Why? Because Isaiah says, before they call, this is God speaking, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. There is a, a phenomena about the universe that is unlike anything else around. And the phenomena is that God is a pursuer of humans. That humans don't have to be brilliant or aggressive or enthusiastic about figuring stuff out because God, like Kevin said earlier, chases us. He says before they even call, he starts answering their questions. 
And a lot of us were in that spot when we were moving out of being an unbeliever, kind of thinking about sort of being maybe religious or something. Um, it's because God is starting to plant seeds before we even knew what questions to ask. This is called the doctrine of prevenient grace, if you like theology. Prevenient grace was a concept that was um, espoused by Jacob Arminius. Arminianism comes from this guy. Back in the 1600s, about the time uh, the pilgrims were leaving Holland to sail across to the United States, uh, Jacob Arminius was also living in Leiden, Holland, where the pilgrims were actually living. And uh, he was kind of coming up with a, a theology that returned Christians to the the book, the Word of God. The Catholics had kind of commandeered Christianity. The Anglicans kind of commandeered it into all kinds of religious forms and functions, but not much life. And um, Arminius was responsible for helping people understand, no, it's not about us doing religious things. It's about God coming after us ahead of time, before we even know what to ask. In fact, he will be the one, by his grace, to insert questions into your mind that will lead us right to him. It's kind of like he's got the carrot and the stick. And so this idea of prevenient grace is, is recognizing that God is always wanting to draw. And we have to understand that if you are blind, if you are 100% blind, I could grab the brightest flashlight. I could go to Safeco Field and drag one of those towers down onto the ground and stick it right in front of your face and turn it up all the way. If you're blind, it doesn't matter how bright the light is. You won't see it. You can't. You're blind. The same is with the gospel. We can tell people about Jesus all day long, have the best sermon, the most powerful sermon they've ever heard. But if they're spiritually blind it won't penetrate their hearts. Why? Because they haven't yet responded to the grace of God. God is the only one that can open blind eyes. That's why we have this saying, you know, once I was blind, now I can see. It happened to me. I didn't go get this. It happened to me. That's prevenient grace. And so in this process of a move from complacent to somebody who's now ready to maybe experiment a little, maybe Check things out. Look around. What happens when God begins to plant seeds in our hearts and minds? What arises generally is curiosity. If you have an open heart and you don't fight it off and go back to indifference and back to complacency or like I did for so long, just blew it off, just stupid. I'm not even going to give that a second thought. But if there's a little bit of curiosity, what happens is you begin to listen better and, and suddenly the Holy Spirit starts being able to communicate more clearly. And you start thinking, huh, there could be, it seems like there's something, I don't know, it's just different. There's like something out there trying to send me this message. Did you ever see the movie um, Contact, Jodie Foster, back in the day? It's an awesome movie. It's one of those movies where, you know, they've got all these satellite dishes and, you know, radar and all kinds of receptors and stuff, trying to listen for noise from space, you know, from millions of miles away because they were convinced there's somebody out there. And uh, so, you know, they finally made contact, blah, blah, blah. But you get this sense in, re in real time, you go, I don't know, man, but it just seems like there's something going on here. This is all, it seems all so connected or I don't know. Have you ever had that feeling? Anybody else? Like you're just being sort of you're looking over your shoulder all the time. What, what, what was that? And see, when you, you begin to respond to the Holy Spirit, it's, it's like... Um, you acknowledge the possibility that, A, I have been off track, but B, there might be a path that actually is like 
the path. And it's, it's not this religion or that person's point of view. It's like bigger than all of that. I'm just going to start paying attention. And so when you begin to respond with curiosity, begin to pursue, and you begin to ask questions like, what, what if? Let's just say, what if my sister was right and Jesus really rose from the dead? Wouldn't that be wild? And then, then you start considering the possibility of an entire paradigm shift where the world was now under the rulership of a living, risen God, a Savior. Just the fact that you would consider the possibility is a huge step of growth, wouldn't you say? And so the goal of that whole phase of where people are at is that they would somehow eventually take courage, step out in faith, and have an experiment. Do a divine experiment where you just go, well, wait, before you even go anywhere, here's the biggest leap of all. You start talking to someone that's not there. That's the big deal because that's the crazy thing, right? For unbelievers, you don't talk to people who aren't there. That's the definition of crazy. When you and I have the courage to take that step and start talking to somebody who really may not be there, but they just might, that's when the breakthrough happens. Because you know what God says? Before you call, I'm going to answer you. The minute you lift your voice to me, boom, I'm going to start showing up like never before. You see, divine experiment is required for Christians to experience and have an authentic encounter with the living God. You've got to take that step. And you've got to push past your pride and your confusion and your disagreements and all of your rationale and everything else and just try them out. What I love about this Bible study we're going through, Rooted, is, is it talks in these terms, recognizing that no matter where you are in this group, you could be an outsider, not yet a Christian, or you could have been saved for 20 years. Because a lot of us who've been saved for a long time, we jumped right into busyness. Busy Christians, but we never really develop a relationship, an understanding, kind of a heartfelt, authentic encounter with God. We just kind of went with the flow because that's what you do. And what I love about the study is it, for the older ones among us who were all like going, whoa, I'm just being dug up. Man, this is rich and fresh, and I'm so excited. I get to go be a baby Christian again. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. So once you talk to him for the first time and God begins to talk back, that's when everything breaks loose and we move into the final phase, moving from complacent. We become uber consumers. We just go crazy. We go nuts for Jesus. How many of you went nuts for Jesus when you first got saved? Not everybody did. Not everybody had that experience, but a lot of us did. And Jesus uses this, this beautiful story about a parable about a woman who's lost something incredibly precious to her. And it says in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 8, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors. She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, listen to this, I tell you, Jesus is speaking, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This woman was absolutely mindless over the fact she lost one of her ten coins. Apparently, they were very valuable coins. Could have been silver, gold, a whole lot of money's worth. She wasn't going to just hang on to 90% and go, oh, well, I got 90%. She's going for that last ten. 
So she's turning furniture over. She's lifting up the carpet. She's shaking things out. She's shaking her husband, turning him upside down. You know, she's looking everywhere. I've got to find this coin. And that's the picture he's trying to paint, that she just did whatever it took. There was this ravenous desire to do everything she could to get everything that was hers back. And that's supposed to be, generally, real generally speaking, the experience of a brand new Christian. When you have this aha moment and God speaks to you, and suddenly you go, he's my father. I'm his child. My best friend created the universe. Oh my gosh. And you may not know much, but when the Holy Spirit comes inside of a human life, and you've got enough understanding to know that this is just the beginning, that there's a whole kingdom and a whole inheritance that is ours, that is to be explored and discovered and embraced. And, and, and my whole identity is now shifting from this old, dead, worldly thing to this new, alive, eternal being. I'm a child of God. I, I have a new identity in Christ. For a lot of people, that triggers this ravenous hunger to get everything we can. You see, when I talk about being a Christian consumer, generally, that has a negative connotation. We don't want to be consumer Christians. Americans are all consumer Christians. All you do is just, it's all about you, all about you, all about you. That is true to a point. We don't want to be consumer Christians forever. We don't want to live in this place where all we do is go to church to get. Go to conferences, buy CDs, buy books, buy tapes, hang out with people. Just get, 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 get. Me, 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 me. Makes me a big old fat baby, as Amy Grant once said. It's true not to live there and stay there, but you've got to start there. And some of us may have been born again into a church culture where everybody was busy and everybody was serving and laying down their life and sacrificing. And it's, and it's, you know, it's God, others, and then me. You know, that little triad thing. And you never were encouraged to take the time to understand the riches of who you are in Christ and the riches of all that you've been given in Christ. There has to be a season of consuming because your entire world is changing. The whole way you see life is changing. It's flipped upside down, or should I say right side up. And there has to be a season, and I've talked to a lot of folks, it's sad but it's exciting, who have been Christians for 20, 30 years and they never had that season of just drinking and eating, the meat and the milk, meat and the milk, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But then they discover it's not too late. I can start now. And it's like these old, tired, burnt-out Christians come alive again. It's like, really? I get to be a baby? Yes, you're a little lamb. Just let Jesus hold you in his arms, just like that painting. Just let him hold you. Just be a little lamb. You can be a little lamb for the next five years because it'll take you that long to figure out what it means to be his kid. It's the most wonderful and enriching experience no matter how long you've been a Christian or how short. So, I want to just begin by saying that the Rooted Bible study isn't the only avenue to get there. This, is, this sermon will preach no matter what you do in the next three or four months. I want you to understand God has called us to be recipients of grace first. He's the one who chased us down. And even if we drift back toward the complacent approach to life like we don't care, guess what? If you continue to send your roots down deep, get to know who you are, get into his word. Don't read his word to get smart. Read his word to get deep and to, and to be loved and to be secure and to grow confident. And uh, if, if certain parts of the Bible make you feel condemned, stop reading them. Read something else. Read the good news. 
And let God just build you and send those roots deep so that when you drift, because you and I will again and again, or the heat will come, the opposition will come, um, maybe like that plant. One of the things I want to ask this morning is um, if you've really never had that ravenous hunger for Jesus. You know, Jesus said, um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what's right. They'll be satisfied. If you've never just gone through that season yet, there's a whole lot of explanations probably and reasons for it. It doesn't really matter what the reason is. It could have been a bad pastor or something. It could have been a hurtful Christian that just sent you the wrong direction. It could have just been you. Maybe just didn't know. But I believe today Jesus can resurrect your spirit. And uh, if you're willing to humble yourself and just go back to the beginning and say, I really never got that part. I really want to start there. That's where it all begins because that's sustainable. That's what will send your roots deep into Christ and you'll want to continue to grow. And when heat comes, persecution, pushback, dryness, maybe a little water and you'll be back. So I want to pray for you, and I want you to begin praying about joining a group in January. Um, I know for sure there'll be one group. I'm going to lead it. And uh, out of our 14, I'm hoping maybe two or three others will also volunteer in January, be around January 10th for 10 weeks. So begin praying about that, and we'll all just grow together. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. But we don't have to wait till then. I want to pray with you and, um, and just ask if you would like Jesus to resurrect maybe the dry parts of your life or take you back to that childlike wonder and awe of being his, and you're willing to start again. I believe he's going to do that for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we praise and thank you that you are a God who never faints, who never grows weary, a God whose patience and long-suffering is absolutely eternal. We thank you so much that we're still here. We still have a chance. It's not too late. We know there will be a day when it will be over. But that's not today. We're still here. So, Father, thank you for putting up with our complacency, for our our drifting, with our indifference towards you. Forgive us, Lord. But, Father, we want to come back. So would you just ignite us, kind of like what you do to blind people. You just open eyes. We need our blindness to be opened, our hardness to be softened. We are our hunger our appetite to be wedded, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, by your grace, by the prevenient work. In fact, I think you've been working on some of us before right now because we kind of are having this intersection that we were headed towards and we had a sense that we were going to meet with you today, right now, and suddenly here we are. We can tell you've been chasing us, Father. And for that, we are so thankful because we don't know if we would have come back. But you've come after us to embrace us. So, Lord, we thank you that we're here now. If you'd like to say yes to restoration of your joy, your hope, your hunger for God, would you raise your hand right now? Thank you, Lord. Yes. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, there's hands everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, ignite the fire in our hearts again. Jesus, would you just drop that precious water of life into our lives again? Resurrect the spirit within us, Lord. And give us a hunger and a joy and excitement, a curiosity that can't be satiated until we know everything you've got for us, Father. Everything you've got, 
We thank you for it and look forward to the exploration in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, before we say amen, I just want to say while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you have not specifically given your life to Jesus and you just haven't crossed that line, you've been studying, you've been around, you've been doing things and blessing people and serving and your attitude's changed a little, but you've never said, Jesus, take over. I'm no longer manager, CEO of my life. I hand that over to you as of now. If you'd like to do that right now, raise your hand again and say, I'm ready. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father God. Yes, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these two who today are now the subjects of a whole lot of celebration in heaven, a whole lot of angels partying right now. We thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And we thank you too, Lord, that you will now help them, Father God, to get started on this journey to understand what it means to be children of the living God, fully forgiven, eternity set in stone, heaven a guarantee, and being a child of God and yours forever, sealed in Jesus' mighty name. We give you thanks for that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. See you soon. Thanks, Alex. And thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love. Perhaps you know someone who is in need of this message as well. Sharing these recorded teachings with a friend will always bring joy to Jesus. And more importantly, it will bring joy to them. Well, until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here's Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.